Welcome to the very first edition of the Talking Boxing Podcast with your host, myself, Hayden Kopser. I'm really excited today to have on as a guest my good friend, Tony Gonzalez. Tony is very well known and well regarded in the sport of boxing. He is a both a manager and an attorney for several big name fighters who are both current and retired. He is going to talk with us about current events in boxing some of the big fights that are about to happen or have recently happened. And then we're also going to go through what's happening in his world with his stable of fighters. There's a lot of excitement going on. Without further ado, I want to welcome Tony. All right, Tony, thank you so much for calling in and welcome aboard to this podcast. I'm super excited to talk boxing with you this morning and all mornings and days that we end up talking about it. It's always a good time. Uh, (laughs) So yeah, so welcome aboard. Thank you so much. Um, There's a lot going on in the sport right now, and that's why I wanted to have you on. Um, I have just a common man, Dusty Rhodes-style perspective of the sport, Uh, (laughs) but you really have an intimate look into what's going on in boxing because you're managing professional fighters and you're serving as an attorney for them. Um, so just on the current state of boxing, how do you see things going? What's what's exciting? What's difficult for you as a manager? I mean, what's exciting is definitely that there's activity, a lot of activity in the sport, which is something that speaks volumes of, you know, ESPN getting involved, the zone getting involved, Fox getting involved, Showtime still being involved when before it was more of a once a month thing with HBO being really the only content provider in the sport. So that's something that is definitely on the up and up and it's something that's very positive because it keeps the clients busy and a busy clients a happy client. So <laughs> definitely that that's a good thing, you know. So um on the downside is, you know, I guess you can say that what's been going on for the past 10, 15 years whereby, you know, you're with that promoter, I'm with this promoter, that fight can't be made because of, you know, X, Y, or Z reason or personal vendettas between you, the promoters and the managers or even the fighters, you know, and that, that's, that's something that's a disservice to the fans and should not be happening. I mean, back in the day, you know, there was no two bigger rivals in the sport than Aram and Keen, but yet they got together and provided, you know, De La Hoya versus Tito and so forth and a number of other fights. So there should be no reason whatsoever where the bigger fights can happen, you know. So like an Errol Spence versus Terrence Crawford, that that fight should happen, should have happened, and it still hasn't. And that's kind of a shame. But yep. that's something that's always, you know, kind of always been an undertone in the sport. But I think it's becoming a little bit more pronounced now. But hopefully it rectifies itself. Yeah, and I think with all of the new platforms, you now have people trying to get their foot in the door and get a toehold uh, or a foothold. And I think that there's a a good aspect to it because groups like DAZN can try and get in between uh, contentious debates between promoters. But then it's also a whole new power struggle that's going on to try and take over these platforms. Um, So I think that's one of the interesting things you're seeing. And then even though the platforms might be able to help in some circumstances, if Canelo, for example, is signed to DAZN and they're trying to get Kovalev on for a fight, which is something I want us to talk about, it can then add a whole new layer of confusion because if a fighter's not signed to DAZN, even if the promoters get along, there's a whole contract negotiation that takes place. Uh, so that's something that I definitely want to talk about now 
And before you and I give our fight predictions for Canelo Kovalev, let's talk about something that's been going on with Canelo and also Ryan Garcia. They're both Golden Boy promoted fighters, uh, and both of them have not been too happy with De La Hoya and Golden Boy recently. Um, right. So, so let's talk about that briefly. What generally are the struggles between a fighter and a promotion company? Because it's often a contentious relationship. So talk a little bit about that. Really, I mean, it actually, it, it plays into exactly what I said previously. I mean, it's, you know, there's bigger fights out there in the horizon that, that should be made and that aren't being made, which in the long run, it hurts the pocket. Yep. You know, when you start hurting a fighter's pocket, you know, and, and not just a fighter, anyone. You know, people aren't going to be happy. And, and really, it's just as simple and as logical as that. You know, there, there's bigger fights to be made. I think Canelo with this um, Kovalev fight, it was something that he really wanted. And his desire and his, you know, not so private, you know, unhappiness with what the situation was, you know, having to resort to fighting the Rocky Fieldings of the world, yeah. that's not really what he wanted. You know, um, and I think that, that, that helped him in, in, in finally parlaying that into making the Kovalev fight happen. And that's what's going on. You know, really, in a nutshell, that's what's going on and that's what's happening because of the fact that the, the fights that are, should be made and should have been made aren't being made. And at the end of the day, it hurts the fighter's pocket. Yeah. If you really take a, a more in-depth look into it, I mean, the two biggest dates in the sport of boxing were always Cinco de Mayo weekend and uh, September yep. because of Mexican independence, the first weekend of September. Now, because of the fact of the zone and ESPN and so forth, um, being in the mix and being one of the content providers and providing a platform where it's really easily accessible, you're really at looking at, you know, you're no longer looking at the hype that a pay-per-view fight, quote-unquote, usually would have gotten. Yep. Because it doesn't matter how many, you know, how many eyes are on the set for it, you're getting a set price because the zone pays a set fee for the fight. So there's not so much promoter or otherwise to go and sell the fight, and you're not going to see the press tours they used to see when Mayweather used to go fight for a pay-per-view or Pacquiao and so forth. You know, you get still a little twing of it with Heyman and Fox because they are doing some, some pay-per-view, yep. yet, you know, it's kind of fading away because of that. So in the long run, I think that plays into the unhappiness of the fighter, and, and in this particular case, for example, with Canelo. You know, um, he wasn't fielding... Yes, he was fighting 168 pounds, but you didn't have the fans and the public, you know, clamoring for the next Canelo fight because he's fighting Rocky Fielding. Right. You know, outside of the U.K. and with all due respect to Fielding, not too many people really knew who he was or the casual fan really didn't know who he was. Right. You know, when you, you know historically when you associate Canelo with, you know, whoever is on the B side, it's going to be an entertaining fight or someone that the public knows, at least of some name recognition. And that's what's been happening as a result of everything else that we discussed with the zone coming into the mix and ESPN and so forth. So I think that's really the explanation as to what's been going on. As you know, Golden Boy has a deal with the zone, and they've become the, you know, per se the the, the license provider to to Golden Boy after HBO stepped out. Yep. But the zone's formula is not the same as HBO's. 
Yeah, and I think it impacts the casual fan because I've been heavily involved with watching the sport and, and competing in the amateurs when I was younger. But the average fan, friends of mine growing up, people I know, they often hear about big fights because of the press tour. So if they're not on DAZN and DAZN's digital advertisements don't reach them, it may be hard long term to bring new fans onto the platform. Um, and that's a whole different business aspect for DAZN is do they add other sports outside of sports popular in Europe and, and elsewhere to bring on American fans to, to add to just the boxing fan base, which is limited. It's always been limited, uh, particularly in America, as you said, the big fight weekends are Cinco de Mayo and Mexican Independence Day because there's such a strong Mexican and Latino fan base. Um, right. Worldwide, there's a very different fan base. You have UK as a massive fan base. Some of the biggest fighters now, Fury and Joshua, come to mind. Uh, they're from the UK, and there's clearly a massive, massive following over there for them. Um, but it'll be interesting, I agree, to see how DAZN plays in uh, to making the big fights. Does it make it more difficult? Does the casual fan get left behind and maybe just the the fan who's so into boxing they'll watch anything are they really just the ones who are going to be watching the fights um and another side that's the golden boy side of the promotion of this fight and what's going on with golden boy and then on the kovalev fight or on the kovalev side um i want to give kudos to kathy duva for sticking with kovalev i think about three years ago or so when he lost to andre ward the first time, which personally I thought Kovalev won that fight. I thought I, I don't know how you how you view their first fight. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, definitely Kovalev. I, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, I think he did take the first the first fight from Ward. Although Ward did win a, a little bit more convincingly the second time around, yeah. but um, he definitely won the first fight. But he is a a a class act fighter. Um, and definitely, you know, on the A side of all the fights that he's been in, even recently with, you know, his fight with Yarde and, and, and Alvarez, you know, he had a letdown against Alvarez, you know, he got caught. Um, the rumblings were that, you know, he wasn't really in training camp. He was in and out of training camp. And, you know, lo and behold, a, a result of that would be what happened against the first Alvarez fight. Yep. But, you know, th this guy has been – a name stand the sport for quite some time, and it's definitely a big step up for Canelo to take on Kovalev, even though he's getting a little bit older, you know, um, but he's not as old or I don't think he there's been that much wear and tear as people think with Kovalev as, you know, they're alluding to. Yeah, and I agree with that. And I think Kovalev, I think what you're seeing is a bit of a reduction in his power because I think when he fought Yarde, there were plenty of shots that he landed where if that were Kovalev three or four years ago, Yarde would have a broken jaw or he'd be on the floor from some of the body shots. Um, and I right. thought Kovalev actually boxed pretty well against him. But you notice later in the fight when you hit the seventh or eighth round and the eighth was the toughest for him, his hands start to drop. And I don't know if that was him being comfortable in the ring or with whatever trainer he's with now. I know he's jumped around a little. Uh but it started to open him up for a lot of shots, and it's almost miraculous he won that fight. Because in the eighth, if you and anyone can pull this up on YouTube, if you rewatch that round, Kovalev's out on his feet for two minutes or so of that round, a minute and a half of that round, and I don't really know how he stayed up. So he still has a chin. 
he he's lost a bit of his power. He's definitely he was never a, a master of stamina, but he definitely has lost some of his stamina. Um, he's got probably a good six to eight rounds of stamina in the tank, and in a tough fight with Canelo, I think that'll really show. Um, but I agree with you. I think he's still a live dog. Uh, he's still dangerous, and even if he's dangerous to light heavyweights, Canelo's moving up. Canelo's never even weighed in after on fight night at 175 pounds. Um, right. So how do you see the fight actually playing out? Uh, I mean, I, you you got to think, first of all, that, you know, Canelo and, and, and Team Canelo, you know, saw an opportunity and saw something in, in taking on Kovalev that they think they can exploit. One of the weaknesses and one of the things that's, that's always been known, at least in the sport with Kovalev, if there's any chink in the arm, side fighting. And if anything, that's the, the strength of, of Canelo. You know, the inside fighting, the body shots, something that Kovalev really doesn't like. Or, you know, and, and it's something that Canelo will probably try and exploit the fight. You know, the speed actually will go to the, the smaller man. It usually does. So Canelo's going to, you know, try and come in on the inside, bang the body, do his work, and then step out and, and try and box him. Because Canelo can box. He is a banger, but he's a, he's a very elegant boxer at the same time. Yep. You know, uh, Kovalev, in the meantime, he's going to have that jab that Canelo's going to have to deal with. Kovalev's jab is one of the best in the business. And it's going to be a, a rather interesting fight because Kovalev, at the same time, is also very cerebral. Mm-hmm. You know, so it does make for a good fight. Hopefully it's hyped up enough where, you know, it gets the casual sports fan interested. You know, even though I do see that because of the fact that it's not really a pay-per-view fight, I don't think that hype will come with it because it is on the zone. Yeah. But, and, and you that's know, for the boxing fan per se, it is going to be a, a very good match. Yeah. You know, um, I see Canelo with a slight advantage because of, even in spite of his size and you know, being obviously he's going to be obviously the smarter, the smaller guy in the ring. I think he he takes an advantage with the youth and the speed, and that'll help him. You know, I think go to victory on that night. Yeah, and I I think especially on the speed aspect of it, it's not that Kovalev is slow, but he doesn't really throw many combinations. Usually, um, Canelo might throw a six seven punch combo when he gets in close, whereas. Kovalev will throw a one-two and then a hook or something to that effect or a couple body shots and then he'll move around. Um, And I think, and you saw it in the Ward fight, is where Kovalev had a lot of difficulty was during infighting. And you saw Ward getting close. And like you said, Kovalev does not like taking body shots. Not that anyone does, but he particularly seems to either have a weak midsection or maybe because he's got a long torso, it's just, it's hard for him to build up that area. Um, and with his conditioning issues, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what that does. And the other fun aspect to this fight is which Kovalev are we going to get? Are we going to get the Kovalev who's had a rough training camp and is involved in lawsuits? Or are we going to get the Kovalev who was in the, the Alvarez rematch, who was, like you said, very cerebral, prepared for that fight, had a strategy focused, executed, and if he does that, it's a much more interesting fight with Canelo. A hundred percent. I mean, I don't think anything indicates, at least common sense would dictate that he is going to come in completely focused. Yep. It's probably the biggest fight of his career. Um, Kovalev, outside, right after Andre Ward, obviously. But 
if he wins this fight, there's a lot more out there. You know, probably an immediate rematch clauses in the agreement. You know, that's usually something that that Team Canelo will probably request or require. So setting up a second fight, which would be even a bigger fight, especially if he beats Canelo in the first fight. So, you know, one would hope to think that he comes in like he did for his rematch against Alvarez, um, a later Alvarez. So, you know, we'll we'll see. Only time will tell, and and we really won't find out until we see the the first bell ring. But you, you can only hope that he'll come in just like that or even better, you know. Yeah, and then it's a very exciting fight. It's an exciting fight even if he's not in great shape just because of the size difference. Um, And I'm curious to see, and you and I discussed this separately, but I'm very curious to see how much Canelo tries to move up and wait. Um, And I think that's also a major aspect. If they they try and and calculate Kovalev's size and say, oh, we need to be over 170, I think you have a much slower Canelo in there, maybe a physically stronger Canelo, but a much slower Canelo. And that totally changes the potential direction of the fight. I I agree. I I don't think Canelo would make that mistake because it would be a mistake trying to match the body mass that Kovalev has because he simply does not have the frame for it. Um, He's probably better suited at staying anywhere between 68 to 70, in my opinion you know, maintain that, that speed advantage. And, and obviously he's going to be a lot quicker and a lot faster than, than Kovalev at that weight instead of trying to match his weight. I don't think they'll make that mistake. They're, they're smart enough. He has a good, good trainer. The trainer's been with him since he, he, he was an amateur. So they definitely do know him inside out, and they'll know what's best for him. So we'll see what happens. But I, I, I just can't fathom the idea of him coming in anywhere north of 171. I just can't see it. Yeah, it would be reckless, and if he were to make that mistake, it would be reminiscent of another mistake that a famous Mexican fighter made when he moved up for a big fight, and that was Juan Manuel Marquez against Mayweather. Correct. Uh, and Marquez, if you you, I'm sure you remember that fight. He try he really made a big effort to put on muscle mass, and so it slowed him down tremendously in the fight. He was moving up in weight. He had more muscle than he was used to. And most of his game plan is based on effective counterpunching. And if you slow down too much, then you can't counterpunch. And aside from that, Mayweather was top dog at welterweight, so he was probably going to lose anyway. But I, I think you're right. I don't. I would be shocked if Canelo's team hasn't been thinking about this for a year or two, um, and they've been pretty strategic about how they've had him move up and wait. Um, it took him a while to make it up to middleweight. So, yeah, I, I would hope they don't do something foolish like that. Uh, but either no, way, definitely. it's a very exciting fight to watch. Um, no, it's going to be a very exciting fight to watch. I mean, it, it's, it's a good fight for Canelo to make, really because of the lack of really anybody else out there at the middleweight division for him to, to challenge. Yep. There really isn't a name fighter out there that would, you know, make the, the fan base clamor to, to, you know, bust down doors to go see. So, Kovalev is a name fighter, has been at the top of his game for, for quite a number of years already, yep. in spite of his losses to Andre Ward, who was arguably at the time the best pound-for-pound fighter in, in boxing. You know, and outside of that, I think Kovalev is, um, is a definite challenge to, to Canelo, especially him staying at 175. They, you know, very easily, Canelo's team could have said, let's do a catch weight, let's fight at 170, for example, or 172. Yep. You know, and 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 try to gain gain an advantage that way, but he didn't do, it and they didn't do it. They said, "Fine, you could stay at 175, but let's make this fight happen." 
So that shows the desire and the want that, that, that Canelo has, you know, and to prove that he belongs in the upper echelon of, of names in the sport today and beyond. And I think he does, um, and he's certainly a future Hall of Famer, but I like that he's really trying to cement his legacy. He is, and he's still very young, and I think people often forget that because he's been in public view for so long. Uh, but he's a young guy. He's got good plenty of time left in his career. He's got several, six or seven fights, I believe, left in his DAZN contract. Uh, so there's a lot more Canelo that we're going to see, and I'm glad that he's not waiting till the end of his career to take big risks no definitely it's, it's the time the time to do it is now you know um and he's definitely you know he's definitely he, he had Golovkin sitting right, right in front of him but they've already done that twice yeah so it's kind of a whole hum fight it's lost a little bit of its luster you know um and him beating Kovalev at this point in his career is going to mean a whole lot more than beating um Golovkin a third time great point um and then speaking of of winning fights and being in tough fights uh, last weekend, we had Fury versus Otto Valin, uh, which was kind of looked at as just another warm-up fight for Fury to stay warm until he fights Wilder again. And it turned out to be, it turned to be a bit of a scrap. Um, so what were, your, what were your thoughts going into that fight? Did you see Valin as a, as a live dog, or did you expect Fury to walk right through him? I mean, really, outside, I'd never seen him fight. I, I knew of him. I knew he was a southpaw coming from Sweden. He had fought some fighters out in 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 earlier in his career, really nobody of name. So I really didn't know what to expect from Valine, but he definitely put up a a lot stronger a stronger showing, you know, than than expected. You know, and, and I'll include Fury into that. I think he took him lightly. Yep. I think his performance in the ring indicated that. You know, and in boxing, you can't take any opponent like, especially when you're getting all the name recognition and fame that, that Tyson Fury is getting. You got you got crosshairs on your forehead, yep. you know, so they're going to come for you. And he learned that the hard way. He did pull off the victory. Um, I do think he won the fight. I don't think it was a, as close as um, people indicated it was. But, you know, he definitely had a harder time than he expected that with Valine than he, than, uh, than he was supposed to, to be honest with you. Um, and I think a big his part harshest of, critic was his father. <laughs> yeah, his father was not pleased, and his father made a good point because he was pissed off at at Fury's corner. And going into the fight, there was they did a whole promo talking about on ESPN Plus doing they did a whole promo talking about Fury's trainer, um, and he's a younger guy, he's twenty six years old, and they were saying, oh, he may be young, but he's the right person for Fury, and that may well be true. Um, but I did notice. In the corner, they thought that the left hand that busted Fury's eyebrow wide open, they thought it was from a headbutt. And they thought that for several rounds. And Fury was fighting, either he was not being told how bad the cut was, because until the, the doctor saw him in probably the sixth or so round, Fury didn't really take it too seriously. He was kind of pawing at it and trying to figure it out. Uh, but also he had been told in the corner it was from a headbutt. And he was never updated on that. And I don't know if that was immaturity in the corner or if they didn't want to get him worried and they wanted to stick to the fight plan. Um, but I don't think Fury's father is really out of order and in, in being pissed off after that. No, not at all. I mean, 47-stitch cut. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a massive cut on a massive man. You know, and Baleen <laughs> definitely earned himself another payday. Yeah. Someone out there. 
You know, he threw his hat into the mix with a, with a, a proper showing against Tyson Fury. And I consider Tyson, to be honest with you, um, with all due respect to everyone out there, Deontay, Andrew Ruiz, Anthony Joshua, I consider, and like a lot of other people do also, but I consider him to be the, the top heavyweight in the division. I agree. You know, and, and really what Valine did was was surprising and, and is, is a welcoming surprise because, you know, we need, we need a competitive heavyweight division because it carries the sport. You know, and the, the, the sport usually flourishes when the heavyweight division does as well. And this is the perfect time for the heavyweight division of fear to uh, to flourish because, I mean, if this were 10 years ago, you and I probably would not even consider talking about the heavyweights because it was so Klitschko-dominated for so long that the welterweight division under Mayweather became the glamour division. Um, right. And, and if you looked at the 90s when you have guys like Tyson and Holyfield and Foreman and some of these huge names fighting and fighting each other, uh, it's it was almost baffling that for about 10 to 12 years, nothing really went on. Once Lennox Lewis left the game and the Klitschkos took over, uh, and I don't blame the Klitschkos because they were just way bigger than most of their opponents. Uh, they were trained incredibly well, particularly Emmanuel Stewart's involvement was was huge in, in rebuilding. I think it was Vladimir who he, who he worked with. Um, so uh, that's just... Now we've gone 10 years later... Uh, and from when they were really at their peak, the Klitschkos, and you've got a totally new heavyweight division. The Klitschko names are not really mentioned anymore. Doesn't sound like Vladimir would ever come out of retirement, and I don't think he should. I don't really see a fight to be made as far as that goes. But now you've got Fury, Wilder, and Joshua, and it used to be those three names, and now you have Ruiz in the mix. And now, like you said, Valine is now in the mix because he really did give a terrific showing. Um, Yes, he did. And so I think I think it's pretty fun now because now we can look at we know what's probably next for Fury and if Deontay Wilder beats Luis Ortiz in their rematch, which is not a guaranteed by any means, um, you then have their rematch, Fury versus Wilder. Uh, and first of all, how do you see Wilder versus Ortiz playing out the second time, and how do you envision Fury Wilder playing out if we do end up seeing that? I mean. The first fight was wow between Ortiz and Wilder. It was, it was a great fight, a great fight for the fans, and it was a very entertaining fight. But in the end, you know, Wilder's power just overwhelmed Ortiz. Ortiz brings brings in a, a a pedigree that is full of accolades, both in the amateurs and you know later on in his his professional career, where he even became interim champion. But I mean, Wilder's power in his youth pretty much um, overcame that. We are talking about a 40-plus-year-old man with Ortiz. Um, he, he's, he's a very, very, very good fighter. Um, Deontay's power was the difference maker, and I just don't see it changing in the second fight. I think Deontay probably will get hurt again in the second fight um, because, you know, just the fact that he's fighting a softball, a guy with, you know, solid credentials as a fighter boxer, as a, a fighter puncher, excuse me. And um, I think I think it won't go as long as it did the first fight, but I do expect Wilder to get hurt at some point in the fight. Yep. But he'll come back from it. I just see him knocking him out again, to be honest with you. He just has that much power. He's demonstrated he has that power. So probably the hardest punching heavyweight out there right now. 
yeah, it's it's scary to watch him throw punches sometimes. It's <laughs> you're you're amazed that guys don't get knocked out by everything he throws. And as reckless as Wilder can look when he's punching, he's pretty good technically when he tries to be. Um, yeah. And for a guy who's six seven or however tall he is, six six maybe, he has the ideal box uh, the ideal body for a boxer. It's it's almost bizarre. You usually see heavyweights, the Klitschko's looked almost like bodybuilders, a little skinnier. Joshua looks like a Greek god almost. Fury's a little flabby. Ortiz is a little flabby. Ruiz is a little flabby. Uh, and then you have Wilder, who has almost not an ounce of fat on him. Very lanky. Very good build for a boxer. And you almost never see that in the heavyweight division. So for that alone, he's interesting to watch. Uh, in my opinion. And then his style is just so much fun. He's got a lot of personality outside of the ring, uh, just like Fury does. And I think that that really does a lot for the heavyweight division. When I mean, you look at Muhammad Ali, he was great in the ring, but he was also the best personality outside of the ring you could ever imagine. Um, 100%. 100%. And that's, and that's what built up his fan base. And then doing legendary things in the ring is what solidified it. Um, but when when you can draw fans, and particularly the importance of drawing a casual fan, uh, and that's something that Wilder and Fury have been able to do. And just based on their size alone and being in the heavyweight division, that the title of being heavyweight champion will draw people in. Um, and I think their personalities will also add to that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they do meet again. As, I agree with you. I think they probably will. But <laughs> this is the heavyweight division, as we saw with Joshua um, anything can happen. Uh, anything and, can happen. <laughs> and that's that's the fun. It happens at every division, but in the heavyweights, it's really, you never know what's going to happen on any given night. You really think about it, it's kind of crazy because it was, if it wasn't for Jerome Miller testing positive, Andrew Reed would still be sitting on the sideline somewhere fighting the likes of, of God knows who on, on obscure fights. Yeah, yeah he's, he's under the, the Heyman banner, but, you know, there's no way in earth they would have considered him to you know, to fight a, a Deontay or, or, or an Anthony Joshua at the time. You know, it just happened to be a stroke of luck that went his way, and he absolutely made it, took advantage of it, and look where he's at now. You know, he's fighting somewhere in Saudi Arabia December 7th against a rematch <laughs> as the heavyweight champion against Anthony Joshua. It's, it's mind-blowing. Yeah, I don't think Nostradamus could have predicted that one. That was, uh, if someone told you a year ago that was going to be the fight coming up, you'd say, Who? Andy yeah, Ruiz, what? How did? When were they supposed to fight? And and that's the other fun of the sport. But you're right. Uh, and and Big Baby Miller testing positive through the entire division for a loop because I really don't think he would have beat uh, Joshua. I I think Joshua would have been more prepared for him. Uh, and Ruiz for a number of reasons was someone I don't think Joshua took too seriously. Uh, and even if he did, I think Ruiz would have beat him. Uh, it's just just a matter of the style of Ruiz and and his aggression is is not something that that Wilder or that Joshua is particularly good at handling from what I've seen. Um, and, and then also speaking of the heavyweight division and speaking of Big Baby Miller testing positive, your fighter Trevor Bryan was number two in line behind Ruiz to getting that fight. So, so I want (laughs) to, I don't want you to feel bad about that because that could have been, that could have been huge for him. Um, But his name is still out there and he got some recognition publicly from just being considered. So what's next for Trevor and what's next in general for some of your fighters? Well, right now with Trevor, you have the the fight that's ordered between him and 
the regular title holder, which is Manuel Chark. You know, the, the deal um, is being worked on as we speak in order for them to step into the ring sometime before the year's end or at the beginning of next year. And, you know, the winner of that would see a lot of a lot of offers coming in to possibly Deontay, possibly Tyson Fury, God knows what, you know, but it's definitely something positive. So he has to, you know, keep his mind focused in on this one fight against Char, um, win the fight, and then everything else will just fall into place after that. Kind of like what's happening with Andy, you know, same thing happened with Andy. Just focus in on that one fight against, you know, Anthony Joshua, win, and everything else will take care of itself. And that's exactly what's happening with Andrew Ruiz right now. So you got to follow that mold and, you know, the sky's the limit winning that fight, and that's what we expect. Awesome. Yeah, that's exciting stuff. And then also exciting in your stable of fighters is what's going on with Uriorcus Gamboa. Um, oh, absolutely. So that, and I think personally, not to take anything away from Trevor, because that's huge, his opportunity, but what we've seen with Yuri in the last few years has been pretty remarkable. So I want you to talk about where Yuri was after the Crawford fight and the resurgence he's made in the last year or so. Ah. Uh. What can I tell you? With, with Yuri, it's always been a roller coaster inside and outside of the ring. You know, um, his performance in the ring has always been reflective of what's going outside of the ring. You know, and, and, and it, it hits home a lot more with him because of the fact that I've been with him ever since he came out of the amateurs. So we have a very, very long relationship, and we've been together for so long where, you know, it affects him and it affects me at the same time. So I'm on that roller coaster ride with him. <laughs> you know, he can't help but feel that, you know. So um, I think after the, the Crawford fight, you know, you saw a whole bunch of uncertainty on his end of where do I go now. Um, at the same time, we were with SMS Promotions, which is 50 Cents' promotion. And, yep. you know, there's a lot of question marks with that, whether they want to move forward or not in the business, let alone with Gamboa. So um, that, that played into it. So he really hasn't had that much luck right after the Crawford fight with, you know, really a structure and, and a set plan as to how to come back from it. And that affected him, and he kind of strayed away from the gym. And, you know, um, his mind was everywhere. You know, I guess he was at a midlife crisis in his <laughs> mid in his early to – to, to late late twenties early thirties he was at a midlife crisis so and I think that was reflective of of what happened in the Castellanos fight you know when he took on Castellanos two years ago at the MGM he signed a a three fight deal with Golden Boy that was the second of the third the th- three fights he had fought and beaten Rene Alvarado up in Turning Stone in um, I think that was March of 2017 and then he came back right after in May to fight Castellanos which was kind of short notice but at the time, Yuri's like, you know, let, let me take it when he really shouldn't have taken it because he had been in a very severe car accident in Cuba. Wow. You know, concussed, big, big um, cut over the, the right eye. A lot of people really didn't know about it until later, until after the fact, but I 100% know that that affected him and, you know, what happened happened to Castellanos fight because he never really even recovered from the car accident. Yeah. But it's water under the bridge, and then ever since the Castellanos fight, you know, he he came back and fought twice in 2017, uh, once to, against a kid in, in, in Cancun, I think by the last name of Reyes, and then he fought on HBO Latino in November against Jason Sosa, which was, 
you know, uh, a close fight. A lot of people said it, it should have gone Sosa's way. Um, I saw it going Yuri's way, exactly how the judges had it. But of course, you know, I, I'm I'm a little biased. <laughs> Slightly. <laughs> and then and then after that, you know, it, it was kind of like an empty closet. You know, there was there was really the the, the relationship with Golden Boy ended. Um, he had come up with you know a couple possibilities coming on with um, smaller time promoters and so forth, but really. You know, the, the mainstay there was, you know, I want to get back in the ring and, and, and fight. You know, but the thing is, is that, the, you know, I sat down with it. It was like, look, it's all great and dandy. You want to fight, but you got to have a plan. There has to be a plan behind, behind every fight. You know, either you fight for the belt or a regional belt, but you got to get somehow or some way, you got to get back into the mix. And then he took on Miguel Beltran last year in November in Miami, which was the first, of, first fight I like to say of his comeback. And he looked very well in that. He looked very good in that fight. He had a great training camp for that fight. It showed in the fight. Um, he had a devastating knockdown in the first round, which I, to this day, I don't know how Beltran got off the canvas in that fight. <laughs> and um, he went on to, to win a 10-round unanimous decision against a very, very, very game and tough fighter in Miguel Beltran. Um, and then, you know, we're able to, you know, solidify a deal with, with PBC and, and Al Heyman's group, which we're very happy with. And the first of uh, that fight was a fight against Rocky Martinez in Baltimore earlier this summer in July. And his performance was beyond great. I think he did everything correctly. And for the first time in a long time, he, he feels that there's structure. He definitely feels uh, the, the backing, the sense of team behind him. And really, he's just focusing in on training. He's already in, in camp for his next fight, you know, which we hopefully expect it to be against Gervonta Davis. And if it's not Davis, whoever else comes into the mix. But we're certainly expecting a fight against Davis at 135 pounds. And, you know, he'll be ready for the challenge, you know. And a well-trained Gamboa can beat anybody. Absolutely. And I mean anybody. So if, he, if, he, if it happens to be Gervonta Davis – there's going to be a rude awakening for Team Davis. I'm not saying that Gamboa is certain to win, but it'll be a hell of a lot harder than what they expect it to be. Yeah, and that's that's a, actually a very exciting fight, uh, and I really hope that is the one that gets made. There are definitely opportunities for Uriarchus besides that, uh, but that's definitely the big one, and then that would set up a showdown with Vasily Lomachenko for the winner of that, most likely. Uh, it depends how Lomachenko wants to go. Aram has talked about moving him down in weight to take on challenges. Um, I think Lomachenko probably just wants to try to unify a division. So that'll be interesting to see what, what Lomachenko does. But Yuri versus Davis would be big because Gervonta's not really faced many seasoned veterans. And particularly, he hasn't dealt with a veteran like Yuri, who still has the form and, and physical ability of a much younger fighter than he is. Um, and has a fantastic amateur background, won an Olympic gold in 04. Uh, so he, that's a really exciting fight, and I think it, no one's guaranteed to win that fight, and it will be very different for the Davis camp, like you said. It'll be a wake-up call, because uh, they're used to tank just walking through guys, and Yuri is by no means someone that anyone can walk through, particularly not in his current form. No, absolutely not. I mean, ask Terrence Crawford. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was a monster fight, and, and he took on the challenge. He was 
completely outmatched in the sense of size, and yet he still took on the fight. That was a fight that I was really trying to avoid for a long time. You know, um, unfortunately, at the time that the fight was made, Yuri had been inactive for for quite a number of months, and at that point, you know, he said, you know, let's let's go ahead and take this on. You know, I can beat him, and he went in there with that mindset. He didn't go in there saying, "Oh, let me collect a paycheck." No, he let's go in there and beat him. You know, so and he he certainly fought like that. You know, and it, it was a I think it was fight of the year if I'm not mistaken when when they fought. It was a great fight, and um, that's the mindset now. There's a lot at stake. Yuri is not a 30 year old fighter anymore. He's 36, 37. So he knows that you know the the the, the sun is is coming down on the career, but he definitely wants to take full advantage and make the best of it. You know, and a lot of people, you know, miscalculate, you know, Gamboa in the sense where they think he's a, 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 a he's worn. He really has it because of the inactivity. Actually, if anything positive you can take out of his inactivity is that he's not a worn fighter. You know, um, his inactivity has has led him, and he's really never want to be the party guy. Never had a I've never seen him have a drink in his hand. Uh, a cigarette in his hand, a, a cigar in his hand, nothing like that. He's just been constantly, you know, in and out of the gym, and, and that's really his mainstay. So, you know, if his mind is right, you know, he can beat anybody, you know, and at least give him a, a very, very tough to go, you know, like he did against Crawford. So, um, like I said, his willingness to, to take on the challenge is, is, is evident in him already in the gym. You know, we're not even – he wasn't even three weeks removed from the, the Martinez fight that he was already back in the gym training. That's great. So he, he does want this, you know, and he definitely has a skill set and talent to, to you know, meet these, these challenges head on and, and come out on the winning side. So that's what we're hoping, and we're giving him all the tools necessary for him to come out on top. And that's all you can do. And myself and every other fan of the sport is definitely going to be watching closely because uh, that him and Davis and what's going on in that division is going to define a lot of what's going on for the coming years, I think, and, and what Lomachenko does as well. Uh, so it's awesome just to hear that you have a fighter in the mix. And it's particularly awesome to hear that you have a fighter who really is a live dog in the mix. I mean, Yuri is he's not backing down. He, uh, like you said, due to due to inactivity, as bad as that may have been at times in his career and all the promotional issues uh, with 50 Cent and his team, uh, it may actually be good because it's allowed him to survive as a fighter longer in his, to a career, in his career when these big opportunities are coming up. So I think overall it may have been for the best long term. Um, it certainly screwed things up in, in the short term back then because it affected his potential fight with Lopez. Um, but I think fighting Davis at this stage in his career would be bigger than him fighting Lopez years ago. So oh, I'm 100%. excited. A hundred percent. And it means a whole lot more. And it gives him some credits, you know, going forward, especially if he wins the fight, you know, mm -hmm. he, he, his name will belong next to Lomachenko as, you know, a, a, a potential opponent for Lomachenko, you know, so, and, and immediately, you know, I think that would be the fight to make. It would be the common sense, common sense thing to do, you know, but then again, you're dealing with, what we first started with in the conversation with, you know, Heyman on one side and then you have, you know, Aram on the other. You know, they've done, they, they did, obviously they did Mayweather Pacquiao, so they have worked in the past. But in more recent years with, you know, the, the Crawford and, and Errol Spence fight on the horizon, they haven't been able to sit down and cut a deal, which is not very encouraging. So hopefully, you know, they could 
you know, whatever it is that, that contentious relation they may or may not have between them, hopefully you can put that aside and, and give the fans and these two fighters the, the, the validity that they, they need in order to make this fight happen and give it back to the fans. It's something that we need. Yeah, I agree. And that's, and that's really, usually it takes money for those two to put their differences aside. Um, but I hope they do it for their fighters' legacies and, of course, what the fans want. Um, and it'll be interesting to see, but at least in the near term, it looks like Yuri has plenty of PBC opportunities. Um, so it's good that he signed with Al Heyman. Um, it's definitely going to be exciting to see what happens next. And that's really what I wanted to go over today. There's definitely stuff coming up later in the year and early in 2020 that we can discuss, uh, like the Ruiz and Joshua fight. But these were the immediate things that were on the docket that I thought fans were interested in and that I thought you could really give a good opinion on. So that's everything for me today. It's been a pleasure, Hayden. It's it's been awesome. Thank you for having me on the show. Um, And I think we can keep doing this. It's it's always fun to chop it up with you and talk boxing. That's something I love. You know, I grew up I grew up watching the sports since I can remember. You know, with my dad, and and it's something that's not going to go away. You know, now I'm in the business, so you know. Find something you love, you'll never work a day in your life, right? So <laughs> that's what I'm doing. I'm just having fun with it. It's It really is. And being able to watch you with your career, as difficult as it seems, and, and you're doing a lot behind the scenes that I'm sure I, I don't even witness, uh, but it's fun. If, if you like the chaos of the behind the scenes of fighters making weight, of negotiating contracts for a fighter, of helping people escape from Cuba... Uh, that it's the best career you could ever hope for. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> You're right about that. You're right about that. But yeah, it's 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 fun. It's fun and 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 it's a blessing to actually be involved in the sport. Um I find it a blessing. A lot of people, you know, think otherwise. It is it is wacky and crazy at times and you have a whole bunch of cast of characters in this business, but at the end of the day, we all really love each other and we, you know, you know, it's competitive. You have a lot of competitive people in the business, just like you have a lot of competitive fighters on the athlete side. You know, it, it's it's something that it reflects amongst us. You know, so it's something that's bound to happen. There's going to be disagreements, but at the end of the day, it's it's one large fraternity. Well, actually, it's really a small fraternity, even though it's a worldwide sport. But wherever it is that you go, you're always going to have a brother waiting for you at the other end of that 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 plane ride. So that's what's you know something that's very. Um, uh, how can I say, it's a blessing, in, yep. in other words. you know. So that that's the, really the word I'm looking for. It's a blessing because at the end of the day, you're doing something that you love. It's fun, but at the same time, you know, it, it, it is a job and it is a touring. You, you have a lot of responsibility on your shoulders because you're carrying a lot of these young men's careers on your shoulders and you're trying to make the right move for them, you know, and that that's what's really you know, promising for these kids and, and we willingly take on the challenge. And, you know, I'm glad to say I've had 19 world champions, you know, so I'm doing something right. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you've made too many mistakes. We'll put it that way. Um, exactly. And you've exactly. not only had 19 world champions, but you've also helped navigate them through some, I mean, you're not talking about kids who came from New York and had name recognition. You're talking about guys who had to get out of rough situations to become a professional sometimes of uh, Venezuela, Panama, you name it, Mexico, um, kids that were completely obscure, unknowns, and, you know, I mean, their poor makes our poor look like freaking the Waldorf, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it really does. 
the God honest, the God honest truth. You know, that's the God honest truth. And you know, to see these guys come up the way they do, and and not only fulfill a lifelong dream for themselves, but their for their families as well, and and turn their whole lives and families' lives around is it, really, it's really something that that it, there's there's no words that can describe the feeling of that. So that that's what keeps us engaged. And you know, like I said, it's a challenge at the end of the day. It's a challenge finding the talent. It's a challenge developing them and getting them to the race. And then when they come out winning the race, it's it's by far the best thing that can ever happen. Yeah. And you've thankfully seen them win plenty of races. So, and I, you're certainly going to see it going forward. And I think it's also a testament to you because you are a talented attorney. You do have these kids, like you said, coming from nothing, have very little education. Uh, and there's plenty of people who are just vultures who would love to take advantage of them. And the history of the sport has shown that with so many fighters, even some of the biggest names in the sport have, have had trouble and have had people take advantage of them or have never achieved what they could because they didn't have proper management. So, again, I think it's a testament to you that you do put all of this effort into these kids' success. Um, and like you said, you've had 19 world champions. You have, you have the record to prove you've done it the right way, and there's no, no reason that that won't continue. Thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And thank you so much for being on. I'll end it on that note, on ending it on a very high note. Uh, and we'll talk soon. Thank you, Hayden. Thanks, Take Hayden. care.